Titus chapter 3. So thus far in his writings to Titus, Paul commanded him to do two primary things. And uh, we've kind of talked about that much in chapter 1. Paul says to set things in order that are wanting. In chapter 1 and verse 5 and in chapter 2, he instructs Titus to speak the things which become sound doctrine. And to accomplish these tasks, Titus first addressed leadership. And he was instructed to appoint elders. And we, we see that the apostle gave uh, Titus the, the qualifications we often call for, for bishops or for pastors, those qualifications. And, uh, <clears throat> but also, don't forget that uh, Titus turns his attention to the conduct of the members of the church. And uh, I submit to you this morning, well, these might be the qualifications for members. Sometimes we don't think of it that way. Uh, but there is uh, sound doctrine or teaching for, uh, for the members of the church in, in, at all different stages, the aged and, and the young. And, and so let's begin moving on here in chapter 3, because we come to this chapter and we, we, we're going to look at just the first two verses this morning. Paul continues to instruct Titus on what to remind the brethren about. And so let's look here in verse 1 in chapter 3 of Titus. Wherefore, when we could no longer... Ooh, Sorry, that's Thessalonians. I was like, uh-oh. Got the wrong notes or something. Yeah. I do have a King James Bible, by the way. So, Titus 3.1. Put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrates, to be ready to every good work, to speak evil of no man, to be no brawler but gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. And so, uh, we despair. We, we see that uh, the Paul describing how the recipients of God should act toward others, or the recipients of grace, the recipients of God. But these that have received grace, and we'll, we'll kind of look, well, for context, let's look at verse 3 um, and verse 4 and verse 5 and 6. But um, just so you're now, because we'll look at these verses a little bit more next week, but um, as we look at the things that we are going to look at in verses 1 and 2 this morning, it's based on what we see here in the latter verses. It says, For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving diverse lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful, and hating one another. So when we talk about the Apostle Paul instructing how these people ought to act, it's in the, the lens of us understanding that we were once there. And it says this in verse 4, But after that, the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared. What a blessing when he appeared to you as an individual. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. And we could read the whole chapter, really, but we're not going to for the sake of time. But, but as we get ready to go into what we're going to talk about today, we're going to talk about conduct as citizens or some character traits of, uh, of Christians uh, it's with the lens that it's after the Lord appeared to us, after we received salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and we might say that there's a, a twofold aspect of this, conduct as Christian citizens, and then character traits that evidence our Christianity. And so let's begin here first by conduct as citizens. It says, first, be subject and obey. Uh, that's not natural in our flesh. In verse 1 it says, put them in mind to be subject. And so the idea of there, put them in mind, is to remind them. 
to suggest to memory, to bring to remembrance. Titus is to remind the believers in Crete to be subject to authority. Us rebellious Americans don't like that. Uh, and really, it's not just Americans. It's just the, the, the nature of man, our sinful nature. We don't like to submit to things. But uh, Titus is told to instruct the people to be subject to principalities and powers. Look what it says, to obey magistrates, to be ready to every good work. So to be subject and obey. This is found elsewhere in the Bible. Uh, no question about it. Romans 13, uh, 1 Timothy, we can see that. If you would, turn with me to Romans 13. We're going to read some verses just as a way of reminder in the context of what we're looking at here this morning. But Romans 13, verse 1, it says, Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power resisteth the ordinance of God, and they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Wilt thou then be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. For he is the minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid. For he beareth not the sword in vain, for he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. Wherefore ye must needs be subject, not only for wrath, but also for conscience sake. For for this cause pay ye tribute also. For they are God's ministers attending continually upon this very thing. And so uh, the Apostle Paul uh, gives this charge elsewhere. 1 Timothy 2 verses 1 and 2 says this, I exhort therefore that first of all, supplications, prayer, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all the authority, that you may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. That's what our attitude ought to be. And uh, I don't want to get too far ahead of my notes here, but uh, I get weary of the bellyaching Baptist that just whines and complains about the government and politics all the time. Uh, they need to make application of 1 Timothy chapter 2 in their life. And uh, I have in my desk, it's a 3 by 5 card, and I was just reading my Bible one day, and I was in 1 Timothy chapter 2, and I, and I put a basic outline, and the title of it is Bellyache and Baptist. And it's based off 1 Timothy chapter 2, and uh, I, there, there are four points. We ought to be prayers, preachers, practicing what we preach, and persevering. And the Lord may give me liberty one day to to preach that. But the reality is we're charged to be subject. And listen, in America today, we have the freedom to preach the gospel. And I'm not saying don't get engaged in our political system, and though we ought to be. I actually got under conviction of this, and I figured out what district in Pennington, because we don't live in the city limits, and and so the mayor really isn't technically uh, over us and and where, where my home is. And so I looked, we lived in District 4, Pennington County, I looked up the, the, the commissioner for my district. I'm going to email him and then email all of the commissioners and just let them know I'm praying for him and let them know my perspective because we ought to engage. Uh, we can complain all we want, uh, but if we don't get involved in prayer, and, and listen, we ought to practice what we preach and, and let people know that we're praying for them. Anyway, that, that's a side note, but uh, if you want, you can write these down for the sake of time. I, I, I may not, well, let's turn there. First Peter. We got time. I don't know where Jeff is. We'll tell him to hold off the buzzer a couple minutes, and then you guys won't know what time it is. Yeah, First Peter chapter two, and so Paul uh, gives this charge, but 
Peter reinforces it in chapter uh, in the First Peter chapter two, verse thirteen. Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme, or to unto governors as unto excuse me as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of the evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. And listen, these reflect the teachings of our Savior. Uh, these weren't. Uh, Guys just coming up with their own thoughts and ideas. Go with me to Matthew chapter 22. I lost my place in Titus. So, but Matthew chapter 22. Turn your attention to verse 17. Tell us therefore what thinkest thou? Is it lawful to give tribute unto Caesar or not? But Jesus perceived their wickedness and said... Why tempt ye me, ye hypocrites? Show me thy tribute money. And they brought unto him a penny, and he saith unto them, Who is it? Who is this image in subscription? They said unto him, Caesar's. Then saith he unto them, Render therefore unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's, which are Caesar's, and unto God the things that are God's. And when they had heard these words, they marveled and left him and went their way. Our duty to God does not negate our responsibility to be subject to the government and to those rulers that are over us. Uh, really, our duty to God requires us to submit and to subject ourselves to that. Uh, <clears throat> I think our duty to government can be surprised, summarized by these words, obey, pay, and pray. We don't like that. We don't like to be subjected to those things. We don't want to be obedient and, and follow those things. Listen, uh, whether you want to go 90 or not, the speed limit's 60. Obey the law. And we have a really good friend, Cindy and I do, uh, Terry McCormick. She wouldn't mind me mentioning her name. And uh, she, I remember, she's, she, they're about 10 years older than us. And so we were in high school, and she worked in the school as a monitor in the classroom. And, and Terry was the I-do-all-things-right type personality. And her perspective was, if you go one mile over the speed limit, you're breaking the law. Well, as a teenage boy, I'm down with the whole, if they don't pull you over until a 10 over, I can go 9 over. But the reality is that's not what the law says. And so we need to be very careful. And so I will let your speeding habits dictate, uh, or your, your conscience dictate your speeding habits. I won't try to be the Holy Spirit in your life. But what I will say is, there's a posted speed limit pretty much everywhere you go. It's the law. We ought to obey, pay, and pray. So maybe pray that they increase it. And about that time, Montana got rid of it, right? You guys are close. We were from Washington. I had a lot of family in Montana. And you cross over the border into Montana. The speed limit was safe and prudent. A 17-year-old kid, you know what's safe and prudent? The governor on dad's truck. I'm not kidding. I'm just telling you where I was at. I was like, this is an opportunity to go nuts. Uh, listen, we, we need to be subject. It's for our good. The word of God says that. And I get it. Government gets out of line. And we understand we obey God rather than man when it's appropriate. Uh, but we ought to be uh, subjecting ourselves to their. Listen, don't be a bellyaching Baptist. Pray for those. We ought to be preaching the word of God to them, trying to reach them, living a godly life before them, practicing what we preach. 
And listen, we ought to persevere regardless of how we feel about it. We just continue on and be faithful to our God through the difficult circumstances. But secondly, in, in this verse, in, in Titus chapter 3 and verse 1, we, we see that we're to be ready to every good work. As citizens, we should be prepared to serve our country and fellow man in ways consistent with the teachings of Christ. And uh, so we want to do that which is pleasing to our Lord, good works. Matthew 5, 16, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Uh, listen, I, I'm afraid we get uh, a bad rap oftentimes because we're just railing against something. Uh, listen, just walk in the Spirit, serve God, and have a good attitude and, and demonstrate our Heavenly Father by our good works. Uh, <laughs> Yes, our government is, is whack. Accept it and move on. We're not here to serve the government. We're here to serve a holy and righteous God that, that has all this in His control. And so don't get consumed with all of those things in this life. Be careful there. Do all things without murmurings and disputings, that you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation. Look at this. Among whom ye shine as lights in the world holding forth the word of life that I may rejoice the day of Christ that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. Listen, our testimony, we ought to maintain good works and have a great testimony in our community that we might show forth our God. What a shame it is when Christians go around belly aching and whining and complaining about everything and that's their representation that the lost have of how God's people are. Why would they be interested in that? They can whine and bellyache all they want without having your, your Christianity or without Christ. Uh, listen, we need to be very careful. <clears throat> and the idea of good works, we'll, we'll look at it again, but this is a recurring thing. We see it in chapter 2, verse 14 uh, here, and then verse 8 and verse 14 in chapter 3 as well. And uh, listen, gracious conduct is proper for the heirs of grace, is it not? Uh, people ought to notice that we're different. Uh, as we looked at last week in, in chapter 2, uh, God's grace does not mean license to do whatever we want. Uh, but we ought to live for Him. It teaches us to respect and obey those in authority, to be subject to them. Uh, as we continue, it also teaches us how to live graciously and how to show the love of Christ. Uh, look with me at verse 2. And look at the contrast of what we ought not in verse 1 to what we ought in verse 2. Look at verse 2. It says, To speak evil of no man, to be no brawler, but gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. Boy, what a, what a contrasting difference. Uh, and I'll say this, what a challenge to us to speak evil of no man, even if it is Joe Biden. And we chuckle, and we, but this is a serious thing here. Amen. The Word of God says, speak evil of no man. Uh, blaspheme, to revile, to hurt the reputation, or smite with reports of words, to slander, to rail, speak evil of. The Word of God tells us to speak evil of no man. And remind, might I remind you, in the context of this, I'm not even in Titus anymore, uh, in the context of this, it's the context of chapter 1 or excuse me, verse 1, to be subject to the principalities and powers and to obey magistrates. That's the context of this. 
So certainly, it's of no man, but I think this is a good reminder for us today that especially those that are in leadership. Listen, there's a slew of them in D.C. that, boy, we could say a lot of things, and much of it's true. One of them just got kicked out this week. Uh, But listen, we need to be careful as the people of God uh, that we don't say those things that would injure or hurt with words. And the reality is when we speak evil of others, we end up injuring or hurting our testimony for Christ. We're just injuring the report of our Savior. We're bringing reproach upon the name of Christ. Uh, listen, we don't have to agree with everyone, but we must take care to not speak evil of anyone. I'm not saying you have to agree and get on board with everything, but we need to be very careful. No man means not even one. That means there's no exception. Politicians aren't exempt from this. If anything, that's the context of this, like I said. And, and again, not even Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, no matter how ridiculous you may see, feel it is, speak evil of no man. And might I remind you, pray for them. And, and, and I'm kind of getting ahead of myself for next week, but remember the context of this passage. For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving diverse lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. Listen, we were once there. And but for the grace of God, but after the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared. Boy, thank God for him. And, and what an opportunity we have to share the love of Christ. And, and so certainly this is applied to all men. Uh, but I could say we could make application of the people of God. You ought not to be speaking evil of the people in this house. Uh, Philippians 4.31, let all bitterness... And in wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. That, and be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even to God, as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. James 4, 11. Speak not evil one of another, brethren. He that speaketh evil of his brother and judges his brother speaketh evil of the law and judgeth the law. But if thou judge the law, thou art not a doer of the law, but a judge. There's one lawgiver who is able to save and destroy. Who art thou that judgest another? Listen, God's going to deal with it anyway. Uh, Be careful about what you say about the people of God here. And and listen, I know it happens. You know, oh, would you pray for so-and-so? Or I just have have this burden. I don't know what they're doing. Are they making right decisions? And so we start talking with other people about it behind their back. And before you know it, it turns into gossip and and it turns into speaking evil of somebody. Uh, Listen, we don't need any division or schism in the body. We have a work to do. And so be careful about speaking evil against anyone. I want to make a note here. Look at what Michael the archangel in reproaching the devil was very careful of. This is Jude, verse 9. Yet Michael the archangel, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses. Look at, durst not bring against him a railing accusation, but said, the Lord rebuke thee. And here's a quote, I, I, somehow, I don't know, I, didn't, I can't attribute who this is to, I don't remember which commentary I pulled this out of, but here's, here's a quote from one of the commentaries I was looking at. It says, Michael, though provoked by the opposition of the worst being in the universe, restrained himself from any outbreak of passion and used only the language of mild but firm rebuke. Durst not. He did not dare. It is not said that he did not dare to do it because he feared Satan, 
But all that the word implies is met by supposing that he did not dare to do it because he feared the Lord or because in any circumstance it would be wrong. A railing accusation, the the Greek word is blasphemy. The meaning is he did not indulge in the language of mere reproach and is implied here that such language would be be wrong anywhere. If it would be right to bring a railing accusation against anyone, it would be against the devil. Right? You think, man, of anybody we can say something against would be the devil. Uh, But not the case. Listen, we must speak out against error, but be gracious in how we speak in error. And again, I don't know who that quote's from. And he mentioned the Greek word for blasphemy. It's the same word uh, that we have in our text here of speaking evil of no man. And and so listen, we need to be careful of how we talk. Uh, And we ought not speak evil. Then it goes on, it says, to be no brawler. Uh, The word here, it it means to be peaceable. Not disposed to fight. Not contentious or quarrelsome. Boy, that could be a convicting thought. This was a quality displayed by the Apostle Paul, First uh, Thessalonians 2. But we were gentle among you, even as a nurse cherished us with children. Uh, so we should display this even to those, toward those that are in error. Look at what it says in 2 Timothy 2, 24 and 25. And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. If God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. Boy, this is a grace that's indicative of a heavenly wisdom. James 3.17, But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. If your first response is to fight, that's an indication you're not filled with the Spirit. Boy, when things come up and, boy, you're just ready to throw down, be careful. Well, we ought to be no brawler. Uh, it is possible to contend without being contentious. Uh, and it's, it is possible to disagree without being disagreeable. And you're really just kind of being belligerent. And, and so no brawler, but gentle, appropriate, mild. Uh, the, it has the idea of moderation. And we might even make the application of those who attack us. To be yielding, considerate, not urging one's right to the uttermost. You don't have to have your way all the time. Right. You can be gentle. You can be kind, forbearing. Uh, and this is a grace that ought to extend to all men. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand, Philippians 4, 5. We, we might say it's the idea of turning the other cheek, not just literally, but figuratively. And uh, sometimes we don't need to have our way. We can just be gentle. We don't have to force our opinion. We don't have to to get it quarrelsome about things. And it goes on, it says, showing all meekness. And that, again, is gentleness, mildness, humility. And uh, this is a quality that's present, uh, or it's a a fruit of the Spirit. As we would say, Galatians 5, 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, Meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. How do we want to be known as Christians in our conduct? What kind of citizens do we want to be? Do we want to be the brawler? The quarrelsome? Those that are always looking for a fight? 
No, we need to be the gentle, the meek, uh, demonstrating the characteristics of our Savior. Listen, did you know Jesus dealt with uh, the evil ones when, at a time when it was appropriate? He wasn't a pushover. But he always demonstrated kindness and love and grace to those that were seeking, to those that were looking. And so the reason for such conduct in, in, in these things is, again, as I talked about as we look at this, uh, this passage uh, a little bit more next week, we were once foolish and disobedient, deceived. So when we come across people in our daily lives, just remember where you came from. And you didn't become gentle and meek and lovable like me on your own. But after that, the kindness and love of God, our Savior, toward man appeared. Not by works of righteousness. Listen, you didn't do, develop this on your own. You didn't just come up with this great Christian character because you were such a good disciplinary and de- devoted yourself and committed yourself to these things. No, it was because the love of God and, and, and how God shed His love in, abroad in your heart. And how he demonstrated mercy and he saved you. And how he made you a new creature and he changed you. Don't forget where you came from. We have experienced the kindness and love of God our Savior, have we not? We ought to conduct ourselves accordingly toward those that are in authority. Listen, did you know that this was given at a time when there were leaders like Nero? We have a pretty, pretty nice cakewalk here in America, I would say. There's people throughout the world today that can't assemble like we are here and proclaim the Word of God and, and the love of Christ without being persecuted. And so, uh, listen, this is not just something that is convenient for the day, but this is convenient for all time good for all time, regardless of how wicked those leaders and, and even society gets. Really, that's our calling. To do this toward all men, not just the brethren. It's easy to do it here. Because for the most part, we're nice and kind and gentle to one another. And so it's easy to reciprocate that back when you've been treated well. But the command here is to do it to those that perhaps are not treating you well. Uh, To those that that aren't getting along with you, they don't see it the same way. Even at times, those that oppose us or oppress us. Thank God we don't experience that today. May we grow in grace to become the kind of people for which Jesus died. Turn back to chapter 2 and verse 14. Well, you might be able to look up. It's just up on my page. Look at this, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. Christ gave his life that we could be changed and we would be a a people zealous, on fire, excited to go forth with the gospel and the good works of heaven. May we grow in grace to become that kind of a people for whom Christ died. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day.
Lord, we thank you for your word. I pray that you would challenge us to maintain good works. And certainly, Father, as we go about our days and we deal with our community, oftentimes can be difficult. And, and certainly we understand that government can be a challenge, to say the least. But Father, I pray that you would give us a Christ-like spirit that we might deal with these things in a way that brings honor and glory to you. And Father, that we would speak evil of no man, that we would be peaceable and, and gentle and meek. And Father, that you would help us to demonstrate good works, not for our sake, but that men may see them and glorify you in heaven. And Father, we pray that you give us opportunity to share Christ. And Lord, we do ask now as we go into the morning service, we pray that you would bless and speak to hearts. We pray, Lord, that you would just work in our midst. We thank you for those that have labored and prepared for the song service. We pray that you would be glorified in all of it. And Father, we pray that as we leave this place today, that we have met with you and that each one would be drawn closer to Christ because of it. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.